Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So I recently just pushed out an update to Widget Smith, which actually I realized I should probably mention. So the update before this one was the incredibly terrifying uh, overhaul to the Photos widget that I'd been putting off and putting off and putting off, but finally it actually released. It released. As far as I can tell, there was not a single problem or issue or person who was confused or had an issue with it. So um, all that beta testing, all of the trial and error using the super safe approach of all of the existing widgets, their code code was completely untouched and I entirely built a new system entirely in parallel to the old one. All that seemed to work. So thumbs up for that. Ooh, thank goodness. Um, yeah. So that's great. Uh, but part of that work now that the photos widget is, I feel like now kind of like good and modern, um, made me start to think a little bit about some other ways um, that I can make the app better. And Widget Smith at this point is almost a year old. And so it's starting to kind of get out of its infancy and kind of to become something that I'm hoping will become just a sort of a long-term stable part of my portfolio. It's something that I work on regularly. And as part of that, something that I was thinking about is like, what can I do to increase retention. Um, that was specific, the specific sort of measure that I was trying to have in mind. And specifically, I was starting to think of the first run experience, why people are using the app, why they download it, what are things that might keep them coming back to it. Um, and it's made me start to wonder about the some of the defaults um, that I have in the app. And specifically, the original default widget in Widget Smith was the uh, day date widget. So it's just the widget that has in big number the, you know, the calendar day. So today was a recording, it would have a big four, and then it would have uh, WED, you know, Wednesday above that. That's what the default widget is. Um, and when you first install the app, it would create three widgets, a small, a medium, and large of that type uh, for each of those, uh, for, all, for all of the sizes. And I never really thought about that. And sort of this experience just made me start to think, it's like, hmm, should I change that? Is this something that would be more beneficial to be the photo widget? Because I, uh, I know that the photo widget is by far the most uh, popular, most widely used widget of all the widgets. I think it's something on the order of 85% of the widgets um, that have been created in Widgetsmith are photo widgets. So it made me think, well, should I, should I change to that? And that was a trickier question than I initially thought because – Part of what I was thinking before, and this was, you know, uh, not the, when I initially built it, there was no photo widget. You know, when I launched Widgetsmith, when Widgetsmith blew up, when it went big, um, there was no photo widget. There was a photo album widget, which was the closest thing that existed at the time where you could uh, select, a, select a photo album and uh, have it cycle through those pictures. But I didn't actually have a photo widget. I threw that together in the first two days of it kind of going crazy. Um, that's part of the problem that I was then you know, paying off recently with overhauling the photo widget with something that I built over the course of a few weeks rather than a few days. Um, but all I have to say is when I built it initially, that, you know, that couldn't have been the default. And uh, now that that's the most popular thing and the thing people use it for, it became a question of should that be uh, the default widget rather than the date time. And on the one hand, there was a part of me that was saying, it's like, well, I probably should. Like, I suspect most of the people who are downloading the app are expecting to use it as a, you know, a, for showing photos on their home screen. And so if I can kind of streamline that process and push them in that direction to make it more obvious and straightforward, 
um, that will sort of help with that process and help with retention insofar as people will be less likely to be confused about what's going on. Um, you know, they download the app and they install it. They're like, I don't know what to do. This is all about dates. Like, that's not going to be helpful. But on the other hand, there was a part of me that was like, I kind of liked in a weird way the that you would download it. It would show you a widget and sort of in the process of setting up your first widget was sort of teaching you a little bit about the app because you would – it would show you the day date one, but it was I always structured them so that the photo widget was always in the first screen when you sort of tapped on it. It was right below the day date widget, so you could always see the one you were going to you wanted essentially. Um, so, but you had to choose it, and the act of choosing it in my mind, in some ways, was an almost a form of onboarding. Um, but anyway, so I went back and forth a, a, a lot about that, and we can talk about sort of the, those options. But in the end, I decided. Um, to go with it as the default, um, largely because it's, it's this funny thing of I was like I, in my mind I was trying to teach people, but it's like why am I teaching them when I could in, make it sort of un, make it unteached un, without the need of for being teached uh, in the first place? I could make it sort of this unteachable thing that for most you know it's like I optimize for the the most likely case, the most obvious case, and you know even to the degree of I changed it so that now when you hit add widget for a new widget rather than showing you the thing where you can set up timed widgets, I immediately just jump you to the default widget screen, uh, assuming that you're only going to have one photo and it's going to be shown 24 hours a day and sort of optimizing that experience um, as a result. And it's, it's uh, that this update I only pushed out um, a few hours ago, so um, it's a bit early for me to tell uh, how effective it is. But I, I, overall, I kind of like the thinking. Um, but it made me thinking a whole lot about default settings and that at first run experience and things along those lines. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really tricky to get good defaults and and defaults matter so much because for so many for such a, for such a large percentage of your user base, that's going to be all they ever know. Like they're not going to go and change anything. That like that that's going to be the experience. So I think I think you've done the right thing here because what you what you want to optimize for is. If no one ever changes anything, what is the best and most reasonable and, and most you know featured experience they can have that will solve their needs, not confuse them, and and make make them succeed at what they're trying to do and make you look good as the app maker. And and so in this case, I, I think that works because like the the timed uh, thing, like you know going from you know from um, from single twenty four hour to timed hour span thing, like that distinction, the, the timed hour span thing, I think is an advanced feature. And so it, I think you made the right move by making the default just be 24 hours a day, show the same thing. Because that's what most widgets are. That's what most people are going to want to do, I would, I would assume. You probably actually have data on that. <laughs> I don't think I actually do, but I'm, that's just an instinct that is the case. Right. And so, you know, so that, I, I think that's the right move for sure. And, and opting for photos as like the default widget rather than the day date. Again, this has been informed by what your users have actually done. Like what you, what they've actually told you is like this is how we most commonly use this app, and and so it makes sense to optimize for what people have shown you is the most common average need or want from the app. You know, I, I mean, I face a lot of this with Overcast. I've faced it, you know, over the years of various decisions I've made, and and uh, it, I, I've I haven't found a really good like stable state for a lot of my decisions, but. I think I've reached a fairly good point uh, with the exception of I do think I need to do a little bit more onboarding in terms of um, podcast discovery features of like 
maybe after the very first one they add, maybe, you know, put up the thing saying, you know, people who listen to this also listen to, and then, you know, give the, the big block of all the different podcasts. It totally makes that sound, too. Uh, you know, give that big block of all those podcasts of, like, here's all the similar things. Because I have all that. Like, I have that as part of my recommendation engine. I have that per podcast. I don't really show it anywhere in the app. But uh, anyway, but, you know, there's certain things that, you know, the defaults are just kind of up to you to figure out, like, what what do you want to represent your app? You know, like, what what experience do you want people to have by default, and and therefore most people to have? You know, one thing I did um, years ago now is uh, when I was trying to reduce the amount of email addresses I had and, and move everybody to anonymous accounts, I made it so that by default, all new accounts were just anonymous accounts. Like, there, there was no email or password associated with all accounts by default. That was not the original way. Uh, the original way, like it, it just it put the email and password thing up top on the on the account creation screen, and down at the bottom there was like a you know don't do this kind of button. Um, but because it was like big and on top, that was like that was obviously like this is the right path that I want people to take, and most people did. And when I redesigned the app to basically bury that and to make it much harder to like to make all new accounts anonymous by default, and then you had to go later add email addresses and passwords if you wanted them. That changed the ratio dramatically, obviously, you know, and, and so it is kind of a way, you know, defaults are kind of a way to be opinionated and to say, like, this is how I think things should be done. This is how I think you should use this app. You know, features I don't think most people want or need are off by default. Things like the, um, the uh, unread badge on the, <laughs> the, the, the number badge on the app icon. Uh, I, I've made it clear in the UI that I don't really like this feature, but a lot of people want it. So that's fine. I'll put it in there, but it's off by default. Um, and there's certain things like it's hard to make that decision on everything because, you know, one great example is that um, smart speed and voice boost are off by default, and the default speed is one x, and many people therefore never use those features. Uh, but I I think it would be very hard to guarantee that those two features would would be appropriate for all content that all people will be listening to. So much so that the people who don't know how to turn it off and who can't find that screen and never change it, I still want them to have a good experience. And I don't think I can be that sure of any kind of modification to the audio. Like, I, I think that that's why, like, the default is the audio is played exactly as it was served, no modification, no speed adjustment, like, just raw. And then if you want to go discover those features, then I can offer these cool things. But but it's not it's not universal enough. Like, I feel like anything that's made by default or on my default, it has to work for everybody. Like it has, it has to not mess up for anybody. Otherwise, you're going to risk turning all those people off who will never look at the screen and and the settings and everything to change that stuff or who won't understand it. But then we'll also have something go wrong with the way they want to use the app. And it's it's tricky because so so in prep for this episode, I went in like on a testing phone, installed Overcast, just as though I was a very new person and. Um, I was very surprised to see that smart speed and voice boost were off by default because in my mind, they are in many ways part of the secret sauce that makes Overcast better than the Apple Podcast app, than any of the other apps. That The way that you built those sound engines is the thing that I think I remember way many years ago, I, uh, my, my old podcast, Developing Perspective, I remember having an, an episode called Insidious Features, and it was all about smart speed. 
because I found that it was completely insidious in the best way because I couldn't listen to long form audio <laughs> with something else because I felt like I was wasting my time. That like you when were. I listened to an audio book, yeah, I was right. This is exactly <laughs> it. Like I was in in the if I went listen to an audio book in the Audible app at two x, I'm like. Why am I listening to all this, you know, all this silence? I don't want this silence. The silence is doing me no good. Um, and it was insidious in that way because it meant that I, it pushed all my long form audio listening, um, into, into overcast. And if I wanted to listen to an audiobook, I found somewhere that I could buy an MP3 of it and, you know, load that into overcast so that I could listen to it, you know, in a podcast player to listen to audiobooks because it, be- it became such a, this, you know, this, this connection that I had that that is what made Overcast the best place to listen to audio because the rest of the features are nice. And I think it's a well-designed app and it's great. And we've talked about it in many, many aspects of it, but like that was the part that is the hook for me. And so it was just, it was just really surprising. And it was just interesting. So hearing, hearing your justification for why you think, you know, it's better to do that because like the way that I'm starting to think is, is that, you know, in, in your case, I would see that you, if you you know the few cases where the audio might not be um, suitable for smart speed or voice boost um, are less, and so you're, you're in some ways you're dis, you're you're making a worse a worse a worse first run experience for the majority of your users um, at you know for the benefit of a small number of your users who may have a less advantageous. Um, first run experience and it's like that's a tricky trade-off that do you know if it depends on what those numbers are for in terms of you know is it you know one one percent of people are would have a bad experience because they listen to music podcasts and so they would be messed up um or is it that the majority of people are listening to podcasts that are fine and i imagine in some ways you have this data because you know what are the most subscribed podcasts are and which would which one of those would be problematic but it seems like in some ways having that first run experience be really cool in a way that um, you know, sort of is taking advantage of it. And especially in some ways, this is probably more voice boost than uh, smart speed because I think audio, like spoken audio just sounds better in overcast and I can hear it better. And um, it's clearer in that way. But I don't know. It was just like that. It was really big, a big surprise to me because it's like that was like the marquee feature. And it was surprising that in some way it's turned off and you, not that, not that it's hard to find, but you have to look for it. It's not even, um, on that initial player screen that you're going to, you know, it's entirely possible that you could use Overcast for a while and not realize that that was, um, something you were missing out on. Oh, and people do. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and I think, and, and between the two of them, um, voice boost, I think I'd be way more likely to turn that on by default because smart speed is, it changes something in a noticeable way, and sometimes it's bad. You know, like sometimes in certain contexts, like you mentioned, like you know, if you have like a music podcast, you don't, you definitely don't want smart speed on for that. Um, if you have, you know, just long pauses and things that you actually want to have all your time wasted, which <laughs> yeah. then you know, then that's I, I say this sarcastically. I know, I know there's value to that storytellers. Please calm down. But um, you know, smart speed I, I think is is harder to say this is safe for everything. Um, but voice boost, especially the the current voice boost, like voice boost one was a lot more aggressive with how it tweaked things um, and and kind of you know a fixed thing. Voice boost two is mostly just volume normalization, and it does that in a way that is high quality enough and and gentle enough on stuff that's already loud that I could theoretically turn that on for everything, and I don't think it would be a big problem. Um, and I might do that. Like, I, you know, this is all stuff like I could change my mind on this at any moment. <laughs> I reserve the right. Sure. Um, maybe in my next update, I'll turn on voice boost by default and see what happens. Uh, actually, I can do that anytime because that's a server side thing. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, 
one thing that's tricky though is like also for marketing reasons if i if these things were just on by default and on in the background people wouldn't know that overcast is doing it necessarily like they would just think oh this like they, they, they wouldn't even notice un- unless they like turned it off but by by having those be buttons that you have to turn on and then you hear or in this case of smart speed also see the difference that they make then that makes my app look better and that might be a wow moment where people say oh my god and then they might tell their friends or they might post on social matter or something like that and that's so if that's if it's just on by default they might not even realize it's doing that and then you might lose that that kind of marketing or delight benefit and and like word of mouth marketing might suffer as a result of that because it's just doing things for them making things better in a way that they they would have probably noticed if they would have manually seen it and turned it on but if it's just on and they never know that then it's i don't know i i feel like that that wouldn't be as big of a marketing benefit we are brought to you by one blocker one blocker is a premium content blocker for safari on ios and mac in addition to blocking obtrusive ads one blocker can also block trackers annoying pop-ups the eu cookie notices comment sections on blogs and youtube and so much more and it's super easy to configure the app guides you through the process which is basically just flipping a few switches and after you turn one blocker on you can close the app and enjoy sites without ads and other content you don't want to see one blocker has been made by an indie developer since 2015 and it's been featured by apple TechCrunch, mac stories and more and actually i actually personally use one blocker um, I, I had a, a, a bit of an experience with the ad blocker business and I decided I didn't want to do my own because one blocker was really very, very good. And I just used it instead. And it's fantastic. Um, and also the average app has around six trackers built in. But with one blocker's new in-app tracker blocking feature called Firewall, you can automatically block these known trackers, analytic services, user behavior measurement services, email tracking pixels, and more in all apps on your iOS device. This is a great addition to Safari content blockers that only work in Safari. And one blocker is secure and private by design. All the blocking is performed in the background on the device itself, and your traffic is not sent through VPN servers, which also means no slowdowns. So as a listener of Under the Radar, you can get a two-week free trial plus a month of premium for free at oneblocker.com slash radar. And OneBlocker is a universal purchase, so just buy once and download onto your iOS and macOS devices. And it also supports family sharing up to six people. So get a two-week free trial plus a month of premium for free at oneblocker.com slash radar. Our thanks to OneBlocker for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the way you're describing that, it, what it makes me really think about is how I uh, think of, is it true, uh, true tone on our iPhones? Yeah. You first, like the first time you, in, you know, you get, you get a phone or an iPad that has true tone on it. Um, and it's this weird thing because like Apple, the way they, they handle it is in the in onboarding experience for that device. You know, they, they had, they say, you know, would you like true tone turned on? And they have a button that's essentially like, would you like it on or would you like it off? And you, you know, as you push the button in and off, it, it changes the, the color of a, I think it's a very white screen usually so that you get a, a good sense of what it's doing to the, the color, the color mapping. Um, and it's like, that's the way that Apple chooses to do that, where it's, it's, it's a tricky for a feature that is subtle, that once you decide if you want true tone on or off, um, you'll, in some ways, it just disappears. And if, if it's, if it's, if it's doing its job correctly, you should never notice it in the same way with voice boost or smart speed, that if it's doing its job correctly, you won't notice it. It's just better. But it's, I, to your point, I definitely totally see the sense of you want people to know that it's better for a reason that is tangible and they, you know, they could put a name to rather than if you make it better, but it's just in a subtle way that they're sort of not aware of. 
then there's less affinity for your app because I know Overcast is better because I know what Smart Speed is. I know what Voice Boost is. Uh, but if I didn't know those names because they were just on by default and I never changed anything or I never loaded the setting screen, I'd have no way of knowing. And so, like, in some ways you could imagine, you know, showing that in in that kind of initial walkthrough video or having things where um, you have kind of help thing help information for your customers but then it's like then you have this long onboarding experience that can be awkward and cumbersome in its own way so that is definitely a tough sort of trade-off we have to fight another big thing that i faced is um what to do about playlists and and the default playlist behavior and and you know so so the issue i have you know so overcast has the playlist thing on top and then on the bottom you have all the podcasts like separated and Many people never use playlists. Like they, they just want to use the separated podcast groups, and they go and p- pick the one they want, play it, and that's it. And many people never do that and only use playlists. I'm that kind. That that kind. I only use playlists. I never go in indiv- individually. Yeah, me too. Um, but be- it's such a big split in the user base that the app really has to accommodate both of those things. And one challenge I've faced is that playlists are the heart of a lot of functionality in Overcast that other apps do in different ways. And the biggest one is a queue or an up next kind of feature. So when this became a popular thing in podcast apps and people started asking me to do a queue, instead of making like a separate thing, I just made it a playlist. And and, I, and so I, I added like queue buttons throughout the app. But if you do that, it just creates a playlist named queue if you don't already have one. And does the queue functionality in that because it provides what you need. It has like, you know, a reorderable, editable list and whatever. And my playlists also have two different types they can be. They can be like regular playlist or smart playlist. And I and I thought this that by mirroring the functionality that iTunes had forever, I thought people would get it. You know, so you know smart playlist is basically a filter and and it automatically, you know, it's like, all right, we'll include everything from these podcasts, but not these podcasts, order it in this way, and, you know, and let me also manually reorder it. And then a, I guess, dumb or, you know, non-smart playlist is just nothing appears by itself. You automat- you manually add whatever you want to be on this playlist by various, you know, buttons throughout the app or, or anything. And otherwise, it's like nothing, nothing appears on it by itself. And, and then you, you know, you get to reorder it again if you want to, all that stuff. And, and so... One issue I have is exposing this functionality in a way that people will even try it or will even know that it's there. So one trick I do is the very first time an account has added its, I think it's either second or third podcast, I create a playlist on that account automatically called, I think it's called All Episodes or something like that. Um, and I, sh- I should probably know this off the top of my head, <laughs> sure. but I don't. Anyway, so and that's all done server side too. So like, yeah, the, the very first time an account creates its second or third playlist or podcast, I add this playlist. That's a smart playlist that includes everything by default because that is, I think, what most people want. In if they're only going to have one playlist and kind of and play from that, that's what most people want. Um, so I just create that as part, and I don't, I don't ask. I just do it. And if they want, they can delete it. I, you know, I'm not stopping them. Um, so then this creates a couple of interesting questions. So first of all, again, what should the settings be? In this case, I think it's fairly obvious. You know, you might quibble over how it should be sorted maybe, but otherwise like a, a smart playlist that includes everything by default, fine. But if they delete that playlist and then want to recreate it, there is currently a lot of confusion around that. You know, so if, if they delete that playlist, if they go back and hit the add, the add playlist button, they have two options, new playlist and new smart playlist. Well, they don't necessarily know the difference. So this is actually a big part of my UI. Oh, and by the way, and if you and if you go and create a smart playlist from that button, it will actually be 
that same thing. It won't have the same title. <laughs> You'll have to like, type in the title yourself. And so that whole interface, I think, is actually kind of a huge opportunity for improvement for me that I really need to tackle of like what I want to do instead, uh, in, instead of like trying to add more text everywhere and, and you know, what, any other options. What I want to do is when you hit that ad, the, the ad playlist button, I want to put up basically a screen of templates of like, here's like, you know, f- three to five example playlists, like all recent episodes manually selected episodes you know stuff like that like all all downloaded or whatever like you know i have to add that feature first but so like i want to i want to put up a something like that that's more like here are some templates you want to do and then you know at the bottom of that list is like you know new you know new raw playlist or whatever you know obviously i'd find better words for it um but that to me is like it's an opportunity where there is a lot of functionality hidden behind here my current my status quo confuses people and i can totally see why uh and I mean, and I can't even tell you how many emails I get from people who are asking for functionality that is already in playlists, but they just never thought to because they don't think they want playlists, like just the term. They, they just don't think they want that, but it's functionality that already exists if they would just make a playlist and you know set the rules this way. So like obviously this, there's a need for this, and my current defaults are okay, but they're not solving the, the full need, and, and I, I need to adjust that. Yeah, it is called all episodes, by the way. Oh, thanks. I did it in my uh, in, in the in my testing account. I just went ahead and added a second uh, podcast, and it created a playlist called all episodes. Um, but I think you're 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 definitely onto something. I think, and this is something that I've been hitting on a few times with Widgetsmith too recently. Is this the concept of it's sort of trying to guide people in the middle of the operation that they're trying to do to m- be able to use the functionality that you're creating so i think you're absolutely when you hit you know add playlist that button going to a screen that is showing you a couple of templates or in giving you an opportunity to that's the the perfect place to have the extra you know extra text extra graphics whatever it is to explain what's happening because a customer is in a place where that's what they're trying to do right they're trying to add a playlist and so being educated about what playlists are what the different types are what the ramifications are or just being able to just choose between a couple of templates that i want you know reverse chronological or chronological or um, manually controlled like that is the a great place to do that and it's a way in some ways of a, a like I, I love the sort of the combination of those where I, having a default playlist that just appears for those people is for the if you if you don't want to think about playlists if you just want to listen to podcasts that's probably exactly all you ever need is you know a a, a place that you can go that combines all the episodes from all your favorite po- all your subscribed podcasts in one big list you hit play and it just keeps playing from one to the next like that is probably what you want but if you want more then have you know providing an opportunity to teach them about that and to give them defaults um not sort of defaults in the, in in the, the first run experience sense but default in the sense of um you know here's a, de- a bunch of different options and templates that'll get sort of get you up and running and educating them as you go um, and i think that's an, an interesting approach and something that i think is is better too like in a sense similarly with the photo widgets one of the changes i made before is if you didn't if you had never selected a photo for any of my photos widgets i just had like the sf symbol for a photo inside of a black uh, background, um, which I thought like looks cool, but at the same time is also kind of useless and pointless. And so changing to the photo widget being uh, the default widget, I ch- now instead, if you haven't chosen a photo, it just says, please select photo inside of that widget. 
Um, and it's like, I'm trying to put the help text that you probably want to know and inside of the thing that you're seeing. And so it's like, oh, I need to select a photo. So how do I do that? Well, if you tap on it, the screen that it will take you to has a big thing that says select photo. And you hit that and, you know, choose choose the photo and do the permissions, dialogues, or whatever we need to do to deal with it. But it's like, I'm trying to educate you at the moment that you're trying to do something uh, by putting that there rather than doing it as some kind of like walkthrough, you know, swipey thing that I have to go through six pages of documentation before I can start using it. I want you to start using it right away. And then at the moment that you need the information, hopefully providing it to you. Yeah, exactly. One little quick thing before we, before we finish a little fun little default story. I, uh, I wanted to um, change. Eventually, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop my custom font in Overcast, and, and and the system font will be the only option. And I don't really know how this is gonna be received. Uh, I'm a little little wary about it. And so, one thing I did a few versions ago was I changed the default font from my custom font to the system font. Uh, this is actually probably almost a year ago now. And the uh, you know the percentage like I I have analytics on like what font people use, so I know how many people I'm going to be angering. And sure. <laughs> and the the percentage of people who use the system font went from you know something like fifteen or twenty percent up to like eighty percent. Like it's it's now a pretty pretty high number, <laughs> uh, which shows you just how many people never change the defaults. Um, but also, I also got a number of responses and emails from people complimenting me on the redesign. Sure. Because not only did they never change the default font, they didn't even know that you could. They didn't even. They never went to that theme screen in the in the app. They had no idea that this was even an option. So this goes to show the power of defaults. You get a free redesign. Sure. <laughs> and I think it just speaks to it. It's the importance of really think, being thoughtful about this because you're, the default experience is the experience that the vast majority of your users are going to have and it is by sort of by definition the experience that all of your new users have and so if your defaults aren't good i don't your first run experience can't be good um either and so be really thoughtful about it and but also i suppose be open to experimenting with and changing it because your first your default defaults might not be right (laughs) thank you for listening everybody and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye